Warning, this podcast contains strong language and graphic details of violence. Listener discretion is advised. right now what's the difference between a beautiful night and a horror night beautiful night is when you hug your bear and sleep horror night is when your teddy bear hugs you back (laughs) oh i love it oh speaking of which i have two stories for you that involves Well, laughter. So if you're ready, then here we go. So the first story of the day was written by Kenneth Smith. And I have two new prisoners that are quite terrified but are willing to be in the story today. I mean, if not, then they'll be in pit with venomous snakes. So please welcome Ryan O'Boyle and Keith Hip. And this story is titled... Cos Cree. My name is Michael Ainsworth, and I'm writing this so everyone knows what happened to my brother Bill and I. It was a typical Saturday morning, as we sat on the porch drinking coffee. Bill, still half asleep, asked, Man, do you remember where Cross Creek runs through the old Jones place? Nodding and slightly out of it myself, replied, I remember old man Jones chasing us out of there, ranting and raving about how he would shoot us if he caught us there again. Why? What's on your mind? He sat quiet a minute, and with a slight bit of wonder in his voice, stated, I bet there's some good arrowheads up on that ridge above the creek. I shook my head and objected, Get that thought out of your head. 
We have several places to dig for them, and there is no need to take chances on the, on the old man peppering us with birdshot. He replied quickly, That was ten years ago, and hell, I heard he's knocking on death's door anyhow. I stared up, knowing full well I'm wasting my breath. Something you have to understand about Bill is, once his mind was set, there was no changing it. He's a hard-headed bastard. Throughout the day, he kept mentioning that ridge, about how easy it would be to follow the creek from where it crosses the blacktop and no one would be the wiser. So, being the man that I am, I caved, and we made our plans. We would park the truck by the bridge a few hours before dark, slip down the creek and start digging, and stay there till dark, then head back to the truck. It was a simple enough plan. I mean, what could go wrong? When we arrived, we wasted no time in parking the truck. Grabbing the shovels and hauling ass down the creek, I will not lie to you, it felt good knowing we were going to be digging where no one else has ever dug before. After 30 minutes of hiking, we were there. We got straight to it, and I'll be damned. Just two shovelfuls in, we found our first arrowhead. We fist bumped, danced a little jig, and went back to it. We were on cloud nine. Hands down, this was the best dig we had ever been on. I mean, point after point. Pottery, and even animal effigies we pulled out of the ground. Anyone that has ever hunted for artifacts would tell you that this spot is one in a million, and we were in pure bliss. As the sun set, Bill yelled, Mike, come look at this. I jumped up out of my hole and hurried toward my brother. As I reached Bill, I saw what he was all worked up about. It was a skull protruding out of the side wall of the hole. A cold chill creeped up my back and I should have taken that as a warning, but of course I didn't. Bill reached in and pulled the skull from the wall. I shouted, what are you doing? Put it back. Let me just say, I'm not superstitious, but I also don't want any bad mojo on me. Bill Scott. Are you kidding me? I'm taking this home with us. Do you have any idea how rare it is to find something like this? I tried reasoning with him, but like I said earlier, he is going to do whatever he wants to. Arguing is pointless. It was dark as we made our way back to the truck. I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched. And even though he wouldn't admit it, Bill felt the same. I swear I could hear distant voices. But as we got to the truck, it stopped. I just chalked it up to walking in the woods after dark and the sounds of the night playing with my senses. When we arrived home... All feelings of unease dissipated. As I started cleaning up my finds and thinking about our next trip to the ridge, maybe I'll find a spearhead, I thought to myself. Just then, Bill came into the room. Well, little brother, I told you it'd be a hell of a place. Now let's have a beer and celebrate our newly found treasures. After a few beers and a much-needed shower, I headed to get some sleep. The bed felt wonderful as I stretched out. My God. I hadn't realized how sore I was. It wasn't long before sleep overtook me.
my sleep was cut short by what sounded like distant drumming. I jumped out of my bed, confused, and started towards my bedroom door. As I reached the hallway, it stopped. I thought to myself that it had been the wind until a loud scream pierced the night air. It was Bill. I bolted down the hallway to Bill's room. The screams of pain and horror continued as I wrestled with the door, trying like hell to get it open. It wouldn't budge. Just as I was about to go get an axe from the shed, the screams stopped, and the door opened with ease. Bill was on the floor, sobbing. Confused, I asked, Bill, what the hell happened? He mumbled. It, it attacked me. What? I questioned. He turned and hollered. It attacked me! By what? I exclaimed as he rose. I don't know, man. I woke up to what sounded like drums, and as I got out of bed, it stopped. And sharp pains overtook me as if something was clawing at my back. I turned to face whatever it was. There was nothing. And then I'm knocked to the floor, fighting for my life against something I can't see. That's when you came in. Needless to say, we didn't go back to sleep. I made coffee, and we sat in silence. Bill's back looked as if a wildcat had gotten a hold of him. The gashes were at least an inch wide and ran all the way down his back. We had to make this right. But to do that, we had to go to Coss Creek, put it all back. The rest of the night till dawn was uneventful, and by the time the sun rose, we were in the truck headed to the ridge. We made it to the bridge. We parked the truck and headed out. This time, the woods seemed eerie. Not like the day before. No birds were chirping. It was quiet. Too quiet. I could tell Bill felt the same, but we knew what we had to do. When we made it to the ridge, much to our surprise, Old Man Jones was there. And before we could explain why we were there, he shouted, Well, you two couldn't help yourselves. I tried throughout the years to keep people off this part of the creek, but with my failing health, <laughs> I couldn't keep as close an eye out for dumbasses like yourselves. I explained, Mr. Jones, we are sorry for what we... But before I could finish, he screamed. You damn right you're sorry. You boys have sealed your fate. <laughs> you two didn't think it was odd that nothing grows on this part of the ridge? No grass, no trees, nothing. I looked around, and the old man was right. Big white oaks and underbrush grew wild and furry until you get to this big ridge. There was nothing. How did we not notice this? He continued. I don't know what kind of evil y'all unleashed. I don't think anyone does. We came to put it all back. Bill blurted out in a shaky voice. Boys. I don't think it will do you much good. This was a burial ground for the wicked and y'all desecrated it. All I could tell you fellers is what y'all in a heap of trouble. After he said that last bit, he turned and walked away. As fast as we could, we buried it all, hopeful that the old man was wrong. But as we soon figured out, he knew exactly what he was talking about. We were about halfway back to the truck when we heard rustling from behind. My nerves were just getting the better of me, that's all. I mean, 
put it all back. That should stop everything. But when we turned around, there was something on the trail, smiling at us. It looked like this human with yellow eyes and long nails that looked more like claws and sharp, jagged teeth. We bolted. I've never ran so fast in my life. When we made it to the truck, we jumped in and hauled ass. Bill hollering. What was that? I was still in shock. There were no words to explain the terror I felt. Those bright yellow eyes stuck in my mind. As Bill entered the house, he stopped dead in his tracks. I knew something was wrong. He exclaimed. We need to get a hold of the preacher now. Confused, I replied. What? And he just pointed in the house. As I looked in, all the furniture was stacked on top of each other. I freaked out. And when I walked in for a closer look, those yellow eyes of terror met me. Next thing I knew, I was flat on my back, staring up at the evil that we had unleashed. It was laughing this high-pitched, blood-curdling laugh. It sunk those sharp teeth in my chest. I screamed in pain, and just as quick as it happened, it was gone. I scrambled to my feet, and down to the preachers we went. I don't know what convinced him to come bless the house. If I was him, I wouldn't have believed us, but he did. And when he finished up, he looked at us and said, I'll be praying for y'all, and left. It had worked. The thing couldn't come in. I knew this because it just waits at the door, cackling. So, needless to say, we can't leave the house. It just walks around laughing and mocking us. It knows we are going to have to leave eventually. It's just biding its time. <sighs> I'm getting so hungry. We ran out of food three days ago. It knows it won't be long. That story was no laughing matter. Okay, maybe a little bit. So our next tale was written and will be narrated by your favorite prisoner, TJ Richardson. And we'll be featuring DJ Vanscotter, that one guy Jordan, and we have another new prisoner who I found in a theater close by. And weirdly, he's both excited and terrified to be a part of this story. So please welcome Chase Beck. And this story is titled... The Laughing Trees.
finished putting my pack together. The last of the essentials piled on top. I'd never been much of an outdoorsman, but a getaway into the woods was exactly what the boy said I needed. My girlfriend of five years had broken up with me. Now before I go on with the whole woe was me line, this wasn't a typical breakup. You see, we were perfect together. A storybook couple. Everyone thought of us as the ideal couple. But we couldn't agree on one crucial point, which led to her having to leave. You see, I wanted children. The life of a family man. And she thought we were perfect the way we were. We would have this conversation that turned into a confrontation every other week, it felt like. And we were always just going to table the conversation. That was until one day I dropped to one knee and asked her to marry me. She told me she couldn't say yes, knowing that we wanted different paths for our future. And that was that. Five years gone. My three closest friends decided that I needed a fresh start, and that us going off into the wilderness would be the best way to do it. I didn't understand why we had to leave before the damn sun came up, but I was just told to let the guys take control and just enjoy myself. I just had to trust them. I opened the door to see my best friend Chris standing there, looking like an overgrown boy scout. Good morning, sunshine! <laughs> you ready to get out of civilization and head out to good old freedom? His unbreakable positivity and eagerness for his venture is what I loved about my friend. But this early was just too much. I haven't even had my coffee yet, Chris. Let's uh, take about 50% off, okay? His smile didn't even falter. Oh, come on, man. Bill and Matt are already in the car, and we're ready for a great weekend. He grabbed my pack and gave me a hearty pat on the back. I sighed and headed out to the van. I opened the passenger side door to see Bill sitting shotgun. Back seat, buddy. First come, first serve. He nodded his head towards the back seat and pulled his cowboy hat back over his eyes. Bill was the ideal woodsman, his body draped head to toe in camo, besides that brown cowboy hat. I went to the back door and opened it and crawled in. In the seat next to me was Matt, one headphone in his ear, a bag of chips opened, and a joint sticking out of his lip. Honest mistake thinking no one was in that seat, Miles. With all that camo, he's damn near invisible. Bill spoke up from the front. Fuck off, Matt. At least I'm dressed for the woods. To Bill's defense, Matt looked like he was going to the damn mall instead of deep into the woods. His washed, stained jeans, deep v-neck shirt, and army boots made him look like the lead singer of a failed garage band. <sighs> Alright fellas, save the bickering for the trees. Look, this trip is for our buddy to get a new start, and he's going to need us all to help him get through it. Bill grunted and shifted in his seat, and Matt just took another toke from his joint and smiled. Hey, I'm all for it, Chrissy! Boys trip! He smacked my shoulder and offered me the smoke, but I politely declined. Before we go too far into this, I still love Beth with my whole heart, so please, no telling me that I could do better, or she's making a mistake, or nodding in agreement and saying, fuck that bitch. Chris and Bill nodded, but Matt spoke up. Dude, have you seen Beth's body? Everybody's gonna be fucking that bitch! I gave him a stern look and Bill reached back and smacked him. Ow, what? I was kidding! Kinda. I just looked out the window as the van took off down the highway. I woke up to Chris gently shaking me awake. Hey, come on. Wake up, man. We're at the last stop before we head towards the camp spot. 
I got out of the van to see we were stopped at a gas station at the edge of the woods. Matt was at the back of the van, lighting up another joint, and Bill was loading up jerky and beer. Chris and I walked up to the counter to pay for our snacks and drinks while Matt and Bill loaded back into the van. Uh, excuse me, sir. Can you tell me how far it is to Distiller's Camp? I looked at Chris with a confused look. Stiller's Camp? Where the hell is that? Why are we not going to our old spot? Before he could respond, the gas station clerk spoke up. You boys don't want to be heading to that spot. Bad omens there. That's home to the Laughing Trees. Chris and I looked at each other and back to the clerk. The Laughing Trees? What does that mean? The clerk just stared back at us and replied. I don't know what it means, boys. I just know there'll be bad omens there. You should head to the other camp like this boy was talking about. Chris handed the man a 20 for our snacks and gave the man a small nod. Thanks for the concern, but we've got plenty of experience between the three of us in the car. Keep the change. We grabbed our bags and headed back to the van. What kept you fellas? Took you long enough for a few bags of food. Chris started the van and started to reverse. The gas station clerk was just telling us about some tall tales of the camp we're headed to. You guys ever heard of the laughing trees? Matt sat up from the back. <clears throat> well, I believe that is the strand that I'm smoking right now. We all just ignored him and Bill spoke up again. Just some old folk tales, I'm sure. You know how these small town people are. Everything is supernatural to them. I nodded and went back to looking at the window, trying to keep Beth off of my mind. After another hour, we arrived at a pullout and Chris parked. Alright fellas, we gotta leg it from here. Grab everything you need because we won't be back for a few days. We grabbed all of our supplies and followed Chris up the path. The trail seemed to go on forever. Mostly small shrubs and tall grass lined the path. After a solid hour, we reached a line of trees, tightly packed together, and a small path leading into them. The trees stretched on for miles from what we could tell, but I couldn't shake the feeling something was watching us. Just maybe a mile or two into these trees and we'll be at the camp. Almost there, friends. I took a deep breath and started forward. I just feel like there are eyes on me, man. Like something is watching us. I heard Bill's hearty laugh from behind me. There's a handful of critters and wild game out there. There's a whole bunch of eyes upon us. I nodded at him, and we continued our hike towards the camp. After two quick stops and a smoke break for Matt, we had finally made it to camp. It was a small little camp area, a fire pit in the center of it, enough room for each of us to put our tent, and a little room to each side. It was close quarters. Behind the camp spot was another small area with a small wooden bench on it. It was a nice little camp, but it would do for a few guys drinking beers and doing some fishing for a few days. We spent the rest of the first day getting the camp set up and collecting wood for the fire pit. Once the sun went down, we got a fire going and started drinking beers and talking around the flame. So, why do you think they call them the Laughing Trees? Bill finished his beer and looked up. Just some old folk tales, I'm sure. You know how these small town people are. Everything is supernatural to them. Chris and I laughed as we sipped from our beers and Matt dug into a bag of chips. Well, thank you guys for getting me out here. It's going to take a lot to get over Beth, but this is a good start. We raised our glasses, took a sip, and then we headed off our tents to fall asleep. Bill and Chris fell asleep almost instantly, 
and after I took a hit or two off of his joint, Matt and I passed out too. I woke up to Chris nudging me awake. Psst, Miles, Miles, get up. You hear that? I tried to shake the sleep off of me, and then listened as well as I could. After a few seconds of listening, I heard it. Soft snickering and laughter was coming out of the trees, <laughs> maybe a few yards from our camp. Chris and I got up, and we started towards the sound. The laughter was getting closer and louder. It seemed to be dancing on the small breeze that was blowing our way. I saw Chris pull out his knife, and I nodded at him. The sound clearly coming from behind this pile of bushes right in front of us. I grabbed the bush and nodded at Chris, ready for what was ever going to come at us. I ripped the bushes back, and Chris raised his knife. Jesus Christ, what the hell? I turned to see what Chris was looking at, and I had the same reaction. Behind the bushes was Matt. Stoned out of his fucking mind, and most likely out of the universe. He was just staring at his hands, just laughing his ass off. Chris and I pulled him to his feet, brought him back to the camp, and waited up till he finally passed out. We both went back to sleep shortly after. We woke up to birds chirping and the crackling of a fire. I crawled out of my tent to see Bill cooking bacon and eggs over the fire. It smelled delicious. Jesus, Miles, you look like shit. You not sleep well? I poured myself some of the coffee he made and sat down next to the warm flames. We went on a late night hunt for Matt's dumbass. He was higher than a kite out in the middle of the woods, just laughing his ass off. Bill shook his head. That kid's a dumbass, man. Needs to get his shit together. I smiled and nodded as Bill handed me a plate of food. Another half hour and the other two guys woke up. They ate, we gave Matt more shit about being an idiot, and then we headed towards the river to get some fishing in. After a few solid hours and a handful of good catches, we headed back to camp. We arrived, started to string up our catches, and Bill got another fire going, when we heard Matt cry out from his tent. What in the fuck is this, man? Matt fell backwards out of his tent, a horrified look on his face. We pulled back the tent flaps to reveal a gory scene. A deer carcass was laying in the tent. Its body opened up, blood and guts filling the tent floor. The poor animal's head was missing, and when I looked up, I saw that a message had been written on the tent walls. What the hell is that? I read the message out loud, the sentence slowly chilling my blood. Only we laugh here. We all sat there in silence for a minute. And then we started to look around. There was no evidence that anyone had been in our camp. And the sun was almost gone. So we didn't want to head back tonight. We cleaned out Matt's tent and told him he could crash in mine with me for the night. <laughs> this time, we all woke up to the sound of laughter. But this was different. This laughter was soft and light was the laughter of children. We crawled out of our tents almost simultaneously and started to look around. The laughing seemed to be coming from all around us, echoing on the wind. We looked around, the childish laughter making my blood run cold. I saw that Bill had a shotgun out, and that Chris had his hunting knife out as well. What the hell is going on here? The kids' laughter was still swirling around us, and suddenly it stopped. Dead silence sat on us the air feeling like heavy concrete. 
We looked at each other, then around the camp, searching for anything out of the ordinary. We each spanned out and started to look through some bushes and around trees to see if we could see anything. For a few moments, we couldn't see anything that started the madness. But then I saw it. At the bottom of a very large bush, I saw two tiny sneakers sticking out of it. I stared at them for a moment, not believing my eyes. Matt and I cautiously walked towards them, neither of us wanting to breathe. We were right next to the child's sneakers when they darted off into the woods again. Matt and I looked at each other, confused. When suddenly Vine shot out of the trees and wrapped around Matt's legs and arms. It pulled him to the ground and I started to shout for the others to help while trying to pull him back. Bill and Chris ran over and Chris started to chop at the vines with his knife. Bill led off two shots into the forest, hoping to hit anything. Chris managed to cut through the vines around Matt's arms and Matt dug his hands into the dirt, clawing away to escape, but the vines around his legs were too strong. We all started to pull at Matt, hoping he could escape. When another vine shot around the forest and wrapped itself around Matt's neck, there was a sickening snap. We watched Matt's body go limp as the vines dragged the corpse into the woods. We need to make it back to the van, now! We all started booking it towards the car as fast as we could. Chris was in the lead with myself in the middle and Bill taking up the rear. The laughter of the children started to ring through the forest again, seemingly coming from every direction. We could see the van in the distance when I heard Bill scream up from behind us, his scream disappearing into the woods. Chris and I knew we couldn't stop, that we had to reach the van and go find help. Chris made it to the van and jumped in, opening the side door for me. Lock the damn doors, man! Fuck this forest! He put the keys in the ignition and tried to start the van. I looked out the window, rain starting to fall and lightning streaking across the sky. The light from the flash showed vines slowly creeping towards us. Fucking van! Come on, just turn over! Come on! Just then the van started up and Chris threw it into drive. We screeched forward and felt ourselves spinning in place. I looked out the window and saw that vines had wrapped themselves around the tires. I watched them crawl up around the frame of the vehicle and start to squeeze. The metal of the van began to crush around us. The van was lifted into the air and thrown back into the forest with immense strength and velocity. We hit a tree and I crashed through the windshield. Then blackness took me. I woke up trapped in a tree, the branches keeping me from the ground. A few feet below me I could see the crumpled mess that was the van. I could feel blood drip off my forehead and that my left leg felt broken. I looked around from the vines and listened for the sound of laughter, but all I could hear was the sound of rain and lightning. I began to crawl down from the tree, trying to figure out where I was. I started to hobble in the direction of where I thought the road was. To my horror, I had made it back to the camp. Our gear was scattered all around the camp, and I could still see the area in which we all tried to help Matt. The lightning flashed again in the sky, and a glint in the ground caught my eye. I walked over and picked up the knife, and held it in my open hand. It was Chris's knife. As I stared at my friend's most prized position, a red droplet hit my open palm. Then another, and another until my palm was colored red. I looked up and felt the air leave my body. The lightning dashed across the sky to light up the cause. My three closest friends were hanging from the trees. 
insides hanging out from open wounds. The three men then looked down at me and started to laugh. I stared in horror, watching their jaws move in a twisted smile, a hollow laugh leaving their mouths. Then suddenly they stopped, and I could feel something behind me. I slowly turned around and stared into the darkness. Another large flash of lightning screamed across the sky and showed me 15 silhouettes of small children. They were all standing there, some sticking out of the trees, others peeking from behind bushes. The darkness came back. I couldn't move my feet out of fear. Once again the sky lit up, but this time the dark figures of the children were closer. Once the light disappeared, the laughter started up again, moving towards me. I took off into the woods, hearing laughter and tiny footprints closing in behind me. I hobbled as fast as I could, my heart pounding in my ears. Right before one of the children could grab me, I fell into the river that we had fished at earlier. The current tore me away, leading me further down the river. The current dragged me under, and I tried to hold my breath for as long as I could before I had to succumb to the waters. I felt the water enter my lungs, and once again, I entered the blackness. I woke up in a hospital bed, the sound of monitors beeping in my ear. The doctors walked me through how a forest ranger had found me washed up on the shore, and he managed to resuscitate me. I immediately told them about my friends, and the ranger informed me that there was no one around for hundreds of miles. My closest friends are now considered missing persons, but I know better. I drove back to the area I thought we were in, but I couldn't find the forest. It's almost like it didn't exist. On the drive back, I thought to myself that maybe I should call my ex. I think this time it'll work. Because I never want to see a child again for as long as I live. all the stories I have for you today. Thank you so much for coming, and please join us again here soon. We'll have more stories ready for you here inside of my chambers of home.